0: This episode brought to you by Cafe Imports, Minneapolis-based importers of fine specialty green coffees. Independently owned and operated since 1993, Cafe Imports has been dedicated to decreasing its impact on the earth through renewable energy, carbon neutrality, and by supporting conservational efforts in places where quality coffee is grown and also where quality coffee is consumed. Where does your coffee come from?
1: And sponsored by Uber Creative Agency, a boutique web design, development, and marketing agency based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, with clients across the U.S. We don't just provide services, we deliver value.
0: Lake Superior podcast. I'm Walt Lindela,
1: And I'm Frida Wora. We are made stronger by story, and there's no better source than the continent's largest body of freshwater, Lake Superior.
0: So join us as we highlight the five national parks that ring this greatest of the Great Lakes, meet the people, tour the places, and learn about the projects that make these parks and body of water so remarkable.
1: This podcast made possible with the support of the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and Media Brew Communications.
0: I'm Walt Lidala. And I'm Frida Wara. Welcome once again to the Lake Superior podcast. Today, Frida, talking to somebody that I know you've had a little bit of chance to talk with uh, about uh, some of the changes perhaps at Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore along Lake Superior. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what's on our docket today.
1: Well, you know, Walt, it's um, V A C A T I O N. <laughs> Everybody's out there planning that vacation and, you know, where to go, mm-hmm. what to do. And we are really lucky because for me and you, it's all about water. Yeah, that's it is. vacations, water. Mm-hmm. And that's where Lake Superior really does shine because we have some of the most spectacular places. Mm-hmm. And one of them is that stretch just a little bit to the east of us here, from Marquette in Munising, Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore, the first national lakeshore in our entire national park system. So really a special place. And Susan Reese is the head of interpretation and education at Pictured Rocks. And she's joining us today. Susan, welcome
0: to the podcast. Good to have you with us today. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Well, uh, here's what we're looking to talk about a little bit today. I know that there's been some changes at Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore in terms of access and getting in and getting a site and spot. Uh, But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about just Pictured Rocks in general. For those folks that are listening to us on the podcast here that aren't maybe familiar with it at all and they're trying to learn, what are some highlights? What can you share with us about Pictured Rocks?
2: Well, uh, you were saying just before how water is, is one of the big things up here, and Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore has been made by the forces of water, whether it's uh, in a liquid form or a solid form. Uh, Lake Superior has carved the cliffs along the south uh, shoreline of Lake Superior, creating uh, archways and beautifully carved uh, sandstone uh, formations that go about 15 miles uh, along our cliffs from Munising. Uh, going east. Uh, minerals in the sandstone uh, seep out uh, and form these really colorful patterns on the sandstone cliffs, uh, giving it that painted look, and hence the name pictured rocks. We have the limonite, the uh, manganese, the copper, all creating some beautiful colors. And lots of people come here just to see those.
0: And there are options, too. I mean, you have Pictured Rocks Cruises that are available out there through uh, private vendors and so on, and also the opportunity to go along and within the the National Lakeshore on foot. So there are options for people to check out, aren't there?
2: Oh, yeah. There's many great ways to see the cliffs, Mm -hmm. One of the easiest ways is through the Pictured Rocks Cruises. Uh, The cruises go out a number of times a day from May to October, and take people along the shoreline. Other ways are taking some short walks or even long hikes where you can be up above the cliffs. You can visit some of our beaches and see the cliffs in the distance. Uh, there's even kayak tours going with guided companies that can take you up close to the,
0: to the cliff line. So I wanna ask you real quick a little bit about yourself in terms of getting involved here at Pictured Rocks. What was sort of your story? How did you end up at Pictured Rocks doing what you are doing?
2: Well, I I work for the National Park Service, and we have 423 National Park Service sites throughout the country and U.S. territories. And that's one of the great things is you can apply for openings at any of these parks and hopefully get selected to come work at them. I've been at Pictured Rocks for seven years. Mm -hmm. I came from Everglades National Park in Florida before this and Theodore Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota, as well as a half dozen other
1: parks. What a transition to come from the Everglades (laughs) to Pictured Rocks. I don't think there's never been frozen water in the Everglades unless it's in your glass, right? In
2: in your glass, for sure. But yes, no frost. uh, Well, frost sometimes, but no frozen uh, Everglades, that's for sure.
0: You mentioned that it was an opening that you wanted to apply for. What was it about Pictured Rocks and coming to uh, work at Pictured Rocks that was appealing to you?
2: Well, I think I am a water person, so water always draws me in. I grew up um, on the Atlantic uh, shoreline, and I just like being around water. Lake Superior, I had visited Pictured Rocks years ago, and Lake Superior is a lot like an ocean. It's large. It's got dynamic forces. Uh, I just wanted to see that. I love the maritime history, and, um, and a little bit of seasonal change is always nice, too.
0: And we're talking with Susan Reese today, chief of interpretation and education at Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. Uh, you know, Susan, you mentioned that you're kind of looking for a seasonal change and whatnot. Now, you've been about seven years uh, at uh, Pictured Rocks, and in particular, in those seven years, I'm sure you have seen quite a bit of change in terms of who's visiting and who's coming. What are some of the trends that you've seen over those seven years?
2: Well, when I first got here, I was told it was a pretty quiet park, it averaged about 400 500,000 people, and that sounded great. It's great, uh, a great way to immerse myself in the park along with these visitors, not too many crowds, plenty of space uh, to move around or be, be uh, find solitude. But that first summer, I was like, "Oh, it's a little busier than I thought." And then over the next seven years, I just watched visitation go from 500,000 to 1.3 million. So, uh, with that came a lot of folks who had never been here before, and they came to see the scenes just like I like to see. They came for the beaches, they came for the cliffs, uh, they came for some adventure. A lot of these folks uh, maybe have never been in uh, some more remote areas and some of these areas. So. Uh, some of the challenges have been just introducing people to the outdoors and how to behave in our parks so we can leave these places unimpaired for future generations, which is the mission of the National Park Service. These are here um, hopefully forever. So our children, grandchildren, and so on can come see these same places and enjoy these same views
1: and same uh, activities. Susan, the world has not been traveling that much since the pandemic, but are you still seeing those numbers coming to Pictured Rocks?
2: Uh, Definitely. COVID uh, did not stop people from coming. If anything, it seemed to get uh, people uh, more outdoors. I think they felt safe going into uh, the open air, Mm -hmm. not being in crowded places, maybe not traveling on airplanes, but traveling in your own personal car. And I think their destination was go where nobody else goes, and I think they thought that was pictured rocks, but a lot of people had that same idea. I even had people say to me, they were really surprised. They had driven all the way from Washington State, hadn't prepared, didn't have a campsite, and they wanted to know why all these people were here. And I turned and asked them, well, why did you come? And that was, we thought we could get away from everyone. Mm. And I said, I think everyone had that same idea. <laughs>
0: And then, of course, it has resulted in you said from about five four hundred five hundred thousand per year to one point three million, which that puts some challenges on the system of the park itself. Can you talk about that a little bit? What sort of stresses, i guess challenges this place is on the park and it's its infrastructure that does exist?
2: Sure uh, the park wasn't built for those kind of numbers it It could handle four hundred thousand it could handle five hundred thousand. But once we we started jumping up above that, we found our parking lots weren't big enough. Our trail system was uh, were very narrow trails. Uh, people were coming in large groups. They started widening trails. Uh, cars started parking anywhere they could, which meant on roadsides, which meant on really any any piece of land they could that didn't have a tree growing on it. They would park there. So we just started seeing more wear and tear on the resources, more resource damage. Our campgrounds, our drive-in campgrounds, we only have 65 campsites, so that's not a whole lot of space for, for all these people. So we had a lot more uh, illegal camping, camping in our parking lot, just pulling over anywhere they could to camp. Uh, so just a, a more resource damage just by just not having, not having enough area, not having enough space. The park... Is really only about 35,000 acres. Uh, the whole park itself is over 70,000, but half of that is the inland buffer zone, which we don't own, which isn't uh, something we can control.
1: So what do you
2: do? <laughs> what do we do? We do the best we can, that's yeah, for sure. Yes, we we yes. always have really dedicated staff who really try. We all want to protect the park. We all want to provide a good experience for visitors. We shifted things around with COVID. With just that big increase, we went from 858,000 to 1.2 million in 2020. Just with that, the garbage everywhere, people didn't want to touch trash cans. People were just leaving it anywhere they could, Um, sometimes next to garbage cans. Uh, The human waste was a whole other thing. We decided in 2021 to shift a little of our funding um, Not hire as many interpreters, uh, but to hire more custodial staff just to help clean the bathrooms and keep up with the trash. Uh, So it's kind of the same pot of money. We just shifted where we're using some of that money. But it it is hard. It's, It's definitely been a challenge. And we keep looking for solutions and keep trying different things.
0: We're talking with Susan Reese today, who is uh, with Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. She's chief of interpretation and education. Uh, Susan, you mentioned interpreters. Tell me a little bit about what an interpreter does at Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore.
2: Yeah, interpreters, their job is to help uh, visitors uh, kind of interpret the resource to help visitors have a, a get a good connection with the resources. The idea is that... If we start showing them how, what's here, start, it's its a little bit about like teaching, uh, but done in a more informal way. Our idea is to try to find out what visitors like, why they came here, and then help them find those experiences and hopefully go away with uh, better appreciation for them. Uh, ultimate goal would be to really try to preserve these areas. So. We're trying to teach them, we want them to understand, and then we want them, hopefully, to conserve or preserve these places. And so we do interpretive programs. Uh, we do this year, we're going back to our Asaba Lighthouse tour, something that had to be suspended uh, due to COVID and being in really tight areas. So we'll be doing programs on um, our maritime history in the park. We do uh, talks on things like geology, invasive species, uh, leave no trace, lots of leave no trace uh, opportunities that we try to give to people so we can help
1: them help protect the resources. We probably should step a little bit into that arena about Leave No Trace because part of visiting a wild place is to keep it wild, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. But preparing the folks that are traveling there to say, there's not electricity, you are going to have to pack in, pack out. You've probably experienced that. When you have that big a jump in numbers, it's got to be hard to get to every one of those visitors to explain to them just the kind of place that you're visiting. It's not like we're going to Disney World. (laughs) No. (laughs)
2: Definitely not. And that is a a challenge. Uh, We do have uh, a lot of backcountry sites. We have um, 14 kind of backcountry campsites with uh, campgrounds with 71 sites. Spread out on the uh, forty-two mile uh, coastline of the park, and up the backcountry. The backpackers coming here, a lot of them are new to it. It's pictured rocks has been written up in magazines like Backpacker Magazine and Outside. That this is a really good park for beginner backpackers. Yeah. One, we don't have great elevation changes. We're also, so a lot of the distances uh, between campsites are pretty short. And uh, water is readily available in a lot of places. Uh, with being right along Lake Superior, people sure. can uh, access water. So we do get a lot of people that maybe this is their first time backpacking, uh, or maybe they didn't even know they were supposed to go backpacking. Uh, so we we have a whole reservation system through recreation.gov where we uh, have lots of rules, and uh, we have a 24-page backcountry trip planner to help people Prepare, But a lot of people don't seem to read it or don't understand their own limitations that hiking with a backpack, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds of gear on your back and then trying to hike 10 miles can be really difficult if you've never done it before.
0: We're talking with Susan Reese today on our podcast. She is the Chief of Interpretation and Education at Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. You mentioned, Susan, that there's an evolution of handling people and being able to get people in and out of the park. I know there have been some changes that have gone into effect in the last year or so in particular. Uh, Tell us a little bit about maybe the admission system, the reservation system that you have because of the limited space. What are some of the main changes that someone that would be thinking about visiting Pictured Rocks National? national lakeshore needs to know about for this season
2: well for one we do have an entrance fee that is new that went into effect march 1st 2022 and so people now coming to the park everyone does have to pay an entrance pass if they're recreating in the park there's lots of different options for that Uh, there's senior passes there's annual passes there's seven day passes so lots of different ways that uh, people can get passes there's passes that cover not just Picture Rocks National, Lakeshore, but over 2,000 federal lands uh, throughout the country. Uh, so that's new. People can purchase those at our Munising Falls uh, contact station. They can also go online and purchase them in advance. They can even scan QR codes that are located all over the park at our bulletin boards. They're also located in a lot of area businesses as well. Uh, we have our reservation system for our campgrounds. A lot of people come up here thinking they'll just find a place to stay, whether it's a motel outside of the park or a campground in the park. And only having those 65 sites is really hard for people to find a place. So people have to go onto recreation.gov and make reservations for our front country, our driving campsites, and all of our backcountry campsites. Most of the campsites are filled six months in advance, and that includes even the backcountry. People have to do a lot of the hiking, but uh, we do have some sites where you can reserve them two weeks in advance or even four days in advance, but people really have to prepare. They have to have uh, thought about it before they just drive up here. It's really hard to do uh, spontaneous travel uh, to a place like Pictured Rocks.
1: How is there a range on those fees, Susan, the entrance fee? Um, Yes, it's, it's $10 for the
2: car load. So you can have up to 16 people in a private vehicle, and that $10 is good for seven days. If you were one person just walking in or biking in, you would only pay $5. Uh, You can also buy an annual pass, which is good for 12 months from the month of purchase, and that's $20. And that pass, each of these passes belong to the person. So if you have an annual pass and you usually come in your own vehicle, that's fine. But then uh, you come with other people. You just bring that pass and you can use it for that vehicle. And we're asking people to either hang the vehicle from um, their windshield or leave it on their dashboard. If they bought the pass by scanning the QR code uh, and they bought it just when they got into the park, obviously they're not going to be able to print that out. But when you buy that electronically, it's... the system asks for your vehicle license plate number, okay. and so you just put that in. And any ranger could just scan the license plate and could see that you paid for your for your fee.
0: We're talking with Susan Reese today, who is Chief of Interpretation and Education at Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. We're talking a lot about the, uh, the business end of it right now, Susan, but let's talk a little bit more about the beauty of it and the thing that brings people there. Obviously, you touched on it a little bit by your interest in it. You had visited it and the Lake Superior uh, angle of it all, but as you're talking to people that are coming or are regular visitors, regularly coming every season, what are they telling you? What are you hearing from? them that is really the magic of pictured rocks
2: they really love the cliffs. whether it's uh, backpacking and camping uh near the cliffs, uh hiking out to a place like chapel or mosquito uh just really that beautiful scenery The the boat tour as i said before is fantastic just being able to be out on the water being able to see uh the formations along our shoreline that's a big part of it um Finding places to hike that aren't super crowded, that used to be the big draw, but mm-hmm. a lot of our visitors, these newer visitors, they're not concerned about the crowds. Uh, they're they're there to see the scenery. You can still find solitude. You just kind of have to maybe not hike uh, the chapel area, but maybe hike in like the Beaver Basin wilderness. Uh, wilderness areas are, usually don't have a lot of the extra features and things that some people may Think about. Uh, they don't have big parking lots. We don't have. Um, we do have lots of trails in this one, but you're mm-hmm. not going to find uh, lots of signposts, things like that. It's it's usually a more remote area. And our Beaver Basin Wilderness is really a beautiful uh, section of the park. It sits nice down in a nice bowl. There's a couple lakes in there. You can bring a canoe or kayak and, and paddle these smaller lakes. It's uh, just really a beautiful place. And the Sable Dunes are just fantastic. The Sable Dunes are actually our highest feature in the park. A lot of people aren't even aware of that. Mm. They rise up over 300 feet above Lake Superior. And uh, just sitting in the dunes is one of my favorite things to do. You don't have to go far. Most people are heading straight to the cliffs, so they go right by the Sable Dunes. But you can just take a short walk uh, down one of our trails or dune trails. Uh, near Grand Sable Lake, and you can just get some beautiful views of of the kind of rolling dune system, the ghost forest, the forests that have been buried by the sand that's continually blowing up from Lake Superior. It's just a really
1: beautiful area. there's a, There's a lot here in a really small park, and it's so special to tour that park by land to do the hikes. They're fabulous and personally i i have been to notre dame cathedral in paris but i have to tell you my sacred place on lake superior is to go to chapel beach and to look at that white pine that is there on that kind of a tooth of sandstone and it's just been there for ages and you look at the tenacity of what that tree stands for and mm-hmm. It's a pretty, as, as Susan says, the solitude there, but also just understanding the powers of nature that have, have been at work. But you don't have to always stay. You can tour the, the park by water in, like she said in one of the boat tours, but then by kayak too, your own personal mm-hmm. at the, take it at the pace that works best for you when you're with that guided kayak tour. And, you know, so many ways you can see one stretch of this amazing
0: lake no it's one way to see it susan as we talked about it here you know we're talking about like getting on foot or getting on the water and be able to do it you're able to help everybody susan aren't you to be able to answer these types of questions and and find out maybe help them determine their pace as well right
2: that's what we try to do we try to tell them what's here Mm -hmm. uh, try to have them ask themselves questions or or is that what they're into doing do they want to do a 10 mile hike or do they want to do a quarter mile walk and still see some beautiful scenery uh, they don't have to go far uh, to really see some uh, great things and to enjoy the park mm-hmm.
0: well if people want to find out more maybe they want to uh, get a n- more information on the systems of getting a reservation or they just want to see some more about uh, pictured rocks and its history and its natural beauty what's uh, some good places for them to look
2: People can learn all about the park and where to go, see things, scenic sites, cliffs, waterfalls, hikes, by going to our website, which is www.nps.gov, G-O-V, slash P-I-R-O. And that's our website. You can also find us on Facebook, but the website is the best place to go to find information on the park and help with trip planning.
0: It's been really good having you on the podcast today to talk a little bit about some of, the, uh, some of the changes at Pictured Rocks and whatnot. But before we wrap up with you today, I did want to ask you, I guess, what's the piece of advice or what's the information you want to leave with someone that may be listening, thinking about coming or at least looking into it? What's important for Susan Reese to communicate to somebody about Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore?
2: We want you to come, but we want you to plan ahead. We want you to think about it. Think about what your needs are and to see if they can be met up here. A lot of folks aren't aware that this is really a rural area. We don't have cell service in many areas of the Upper Peninsula, including a lot of pictured rocks, National Lakeshore. So help isn't a phone call away necessarily because you just don't have cell service. Mm -hmm. So it's thinking of those things, thinking uh, if you need a campsite, you should reserve that ahead of time. It's really hard to find any place. Up here to camp if you haven't made reservations. Uh, if you need a hotel room, the same thing. Uh, our gateway communities of Munising and Grand Marais have limited motels. They have a lot, but not always enough for everybody. So you may have to look a little bit further away than uh, the towns right on each end. You may have to go south to places like Manistique or Escanaba, or even west to Marquette. Uh, and the same thing for campgrounds. A lot of people aren't aware that our restaurants usually closed by 9, Yeah. so you can't always find food at any hour of the day like you can in many urban areas. And, oh. of course, we don't even have things like Uber and Lyft up here, so you <laughs> do have to be able to take care of yourself sometimes. you,
0: you got to know somebody that's got a truck, they'll come and get you. That's the way it's up <laughs> working. right. On. Well, it, it's, it's real interesting because this is a sign of the popularity of the parks, and, and Frida and I were talking about this before we recorded today's uh, podcast. Uh, it's just one of these things where it's like people are finding out more about them, but it's really, really important with any of the national parks along the uh, Lake Superior shoreline to plan for this because these are not just little walks in the park. It was the comments was you know it's not Disneyland. It's, it this is something to plan for, and that Susan is really the important part, isn't it?
2: It is. Yep, planning ahead is is so important. The whole National Park Service for the last two years have, have been trying to use like the hashtag plan like a ranger Uh, and the idea is that what would a ranger do if they were visiting these places how would they plan ahead so we just need people to think about that think about what what they need what they could do and also of course leave no trace how can you leave the park in as good a shape or better shape than when you first stepped foot in it
1: I like the idea that we're not only planning ahead, but plan for the future. If by chance you can't make it this summer, one of the beauties of Pictured Rocks is that it doesn't close like... You'll have Isle Royale will close and Apostle Islands also closes for the season. But we can come and enjoy Pictured Rocks in the dead of
0: winter. (laughs) If you're if you're of that ilk. (laughs) Again, all this information, Susan, is available on that website, which is what?
2: www.nps.gov slash P-I-R-O.
0: Thanks for joining us today, Susan. It's been a pleasure having you on. You've given us a lot of good information about Pictured Rocks, and I hope you have a manageable and good season over there.
2: Thanks,
0: Walt. Thanks, Frida. Susan Reese, who is the Chief of Interpretation and Education at Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. Frida, you know, we've we've done a lot of episodes of Late talking about the importance of planning for visiting some of these areas, visiting Isle Royale, obviously, and Pictured Rocks. And I think maybe for a lot of people, they don't think of pictured rocks maybe in the same context of knowing that Isle Royale, for example, is way out there and you got a plan for this. This was a very important conversation, I think, today that plan ahead, ask questions, make sure you're prepared.
1: Absolutely. And understand that anytime you're on Lake Superior... She's the boss. Mm -hmm. That lake is the boss. So weather always is going to impact. If you book that kayak trip, it may be canceled because of weather. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you're going to be hiking, there might be times that you're not going to make the mileage that you thought Mm
0: -hmm. because things change. And they certainly do. And they could change in a dime on Lake Superior. And that's why we want to bring you some more of this information through our podcast. You can also find out more about all the national parks of Lake Superior through the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation website and online with their Facebook pages. Follow them. That's also where you'll find all the episodes of this podcast. And that's going to do it for us this time around. But we certainly encourage you to get a hold of us with your ideas. You can send us your thoughts and we'd be happy to hear from you.
1: Absolutely. And to know that that big blue out there, it's not just for summer, but all season long. Absolutely. You will find something magical on the shores of Lake Superior.
0: It's going to do it for us this time on the Lake Superior podcast. I'm Walt Lindela.
1: I'm Frida Wara. Thanks for listening. The National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation, NPLSF, is the only official nonprofit 501c3 fundraising partner of the National Park Service for all five U.S. National Park sites on Lake Superior.
0: To learn more about NPLSF projects and programs, you can visit the website at nplsf.org or friend them on Facebook. I'm Frida Wara. And I'm Walt Lindela. Thanks for listening to the Lake Superior Podcast.
1: This podcast made possible with the support of the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and Media Brew Communications.
0: This episode brought to you by Cafe Imports, Minneapolis-based importers of fine specialty green coffees. Independently owned and operated since 1993, Cafe Imports has been dedicated to decreasing its impact on the earth through renewable energy, carbon neutrality, and by supporting conservational efforts in places where quality coffee is grown and also where quality coffee is consumed. Where does your coffee come from?
1: And sponsored by Uber Creative Agency, a boutique web design development and marketing agency based in Minneapolis, Minnesota, with clients across the U.S. We don't just provide services, we deliver value.